Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus. Stay chill or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. All right, it's now time to talk some rugby. And we'll talk a bit of life as well, because he's an absolute champion with the one and only. Our first guest today is former midfield star who tore it up for both the Cantabs, the Crusaders, and the All Blacks. He's coached by Pliny, the Fijian Flyers. Uh, flying Fijians and the New South Wales Waratahs, and he's the head of high performance coaching at High Performance Sport New Zealand. He's well travelled and well read, and wrote a thesis on the approach to coaching through a losing streak. Welcome to the show, the one and only Daryl Gibson Gibbo. How are you doing, bud? Good morning, guys. What an introduction is! Holy! <laughs> I know. Like... I'm actually quite su- surprised myself. You wrote a thesis. What's going on? <laughs> Yeah, it's a little bit morbid though because it's all about losing, you know, and and, the, and failure. But uh, Wait, how, how did that come about? Can you give us a little bit of detail on on the thesis, like your experiences, and, and what's this? You know, like what what you really dig into um, when you're writing this? Yeah, great question. I um, I guess as a coach, uh, I've always been curious around. How do the you know very very elite coaches handle losing? You know, in particular when you've lost three or four on the trot and you're in a bit of a hole. Um, you know, so likes of Wayne Bennett, Wayne Smith, all our luminaries. You know, what do, what do they do? How do they lead through that period? So um, I left the Waratahs. I had a little bit of time on my hands, so I decided that hey, I'd really love to, to look at this and really help other coaches in, in similar situations. Um, so being in Sydney, I had great access to you know, NRL um, rugby coaches and obviously AFL coaches. So I interviewed them all um, around their experiences of how they lead you know, through losing streaks. Um, and it was fantastic. And I must, must admit, I really enjoyed the interviews. And I enjoyed them because for the coaches, it was almost therapy. You know, they were getting off what they'd, they'd learnt during that period and um, you know, being really quite vulnerable. So it was, um, and some great stuff has come out of it. Um, and I hope to, you know, really share those learnings across um, all sports. Uh, when you when you had your time to reflect on, on your your playing career, your coaching career, was there a lot of, uh, you know, lessons that you you took out from hearing these these wonderful coaches that have gone through the highs and the lows that that sports provides, and and maybe go back and think, ah, oh, what if I if I'd known that now, would things have been different? Oh, absolutely. I think for a lot of the coaches, they were really pivotal moments in their careers. Like they were career-defining moments, you know, where they had to look really deeply in themselves to go, holy, if I don't change what I'm doing here and my practices, 
you know, it's all over for me. Um, you know, it was that big for them. And so that introspection, the looking of, hey, what I really learned from this situation and what can I apply is probably the step that has meant that they've gone on and been highly successful coaches. Um, and so it's, it's that ability to actually want to have a look under the covers and, and see what's really going on. Hey, Daryl, it's Kempi, mate. Thanks for joining us this morning. It's really interesting that you say that about losing uh, three on a trot. You know, like Webby finds himself with the Warriors in that situation at the moment. And, of course, on the back of a real intense media scrutiny around refereeing, what what sort of um, position do you think he'd be in as far as the messaging to his players? Um, and what, you know, with your with your position as, as high-performance coach for High Performance New Zealand, what do you think he's going through at the moment? Oh, I was really pleased with the noises coming out of the Warriors players. You know, obviously watched TV last night and, and heard the interviews. Um and I like the fact that the team isn't letting the excuses that are being made for them be their excuses. You know, they're saying, you know, we're in control of what we can control. We can't control referee decisions. You know, and every, every player, every coach knows that. And you're going to get decisions that go your way and, and go against you. So I was really pleased to, to know that. I think with, you know, teams like, um, you know, the Highlanders are experiencing a bit of a trial at the moment. The Warriors are uh, finding, um, you know, they've had three losses, all play against the top teams. That you know, teams that are trying to transform them, transform themselves from a losing team into winning teams. For me, losing is just part of that journey. You know, you've got to go through that um, to learn about the team and and where you're at and the gaps that still exist in your team. And we can all see the improvement of the Warriors. Um, you know, Webby's got them very clear on their identity, what they stand for, and you know their DNA. And I think you know during these periods where they've come up short against the best teams, they'll be going back to the drawing board and going, "Hey boys, we're actually not that far away. Um, there's some good stuff here." He'll be reframing it and going, "No, no, we're, we're there. We've just got to tweak a few things." And we can, you know, get ourselves um, competitive against the very best teams. It's that old saying there, Gabo. You can only control the controllables. Well, as a coach, <laughs> you can probably get a little bit frustrated when you're not getting the reaction out of the players. Like we're going to have a chat to Clark Dermody uh, shortly, and I've been watching the Highlanders closely. Like they haven't got the the squad strength like other squads, so they can't rely on, on super talented players. But that's always been in there in their DNA for the last couple of years, and they've found a way. But at the moment, how, how do you approach uh, the, the kind of style when you're not getting the reaction out of the players? And, and it's, a, it's a fine line, and you would have had to do it throughout your career with trying to get a reaction but not trying to really dampen them and, and lose their instinctual, uh, instinctual ability to go out there and play and overthink things. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think it all comes down to you know just really reframing what success looks for each team. And you did right. You know, we know about the Highlanders; they are always going to be the team that don't have quite enough talent to be really competitive and maximise every bit of that talent just to compete. Um, and had you know incredible seasons. So, um, you know, I've, I've been impressed with the way that the Highlanders have gone about their season. I know they're in a bit of a trot at the moment, but they haven't been too far away. And so the margins for for wins and losses are so fine that um, you know every now and then you come up short. So I'm sure you ask Clark, you know, what's he saying to the team 
during those periods? You know, how's he how's he keeping you the morale up? You know, in particular because that's one of the things that can potentially suffer. But then also, um, what I found interesting during the study, and this is uh, as a coach, um, the more honest and brutal you are with your team, the more it builds confidence, which seems um, seems strange. But the more that you you go there in terms of, hey boys, this is the reality. This is where we're at. But this is the way forward, um, you know. And I truly believe we can get there. You know, it's a little bit of optimism. So it's a tough situation, and um, you know, I think it just it helps the coach get better and and build their craft. Hey, Daryl, just uh, really interested in some of the stuff that your your findings and your thesis, like with the coaching and the and the the losing part of it. You find a lot of organisations they they basically um, run for higher ground and get rid of the coach is the first thing that happens. Have you found um, any correlation between uh, clubs that leave their coach there and work through it with them uh, rather than uh, just go straight for the, I guess, the noose and, and, and get rid of them? Yeah, absolutely. There's really strong evidence that um, you know, getting rid of the coach has really no no effect. You know, the, the long-term approach should be to work with the coach, support him, um, give him everything he needs to, to be successful. And I think, um, you know, statistics has shown the stability of the club, the longevity of the coach has strong correlations to, to being a really successful one. Um, so it's really balancing the short-term, short-term gain or pain uh, against the long-term view that a, a really good organisation it's well set up. We'll go. No, no. We're going to invest in this coach. We're going to going to see it through and build a build a team and build a franchise around him. Beautiful, Gabo. Love love all your information, reflecting and, and being able to give us an understanding of what goes on behind the the doors of a coaching role. I couldn't, for the life of me, ever step into that role. So I commend you on that. I commend you on it, on it, giving it a crack. <laughs> what does your role at HB Sport New Zealand entail, bud? Like. What does a day-to-day job for, for Gabo look like at, at Sport New Zealand? Yeah, well, I, I lead a team of, um, of six, and we we look after the um, 46 sports of New Zealand. Um, you know, obviously, the Olympic podium sports through to the aspirational sports like table tennis, um, speed climbing. Um, got some really interesting sports that are being introduced into the Olympics um, in Paris, and uh, you know, all those sports at the moment trying to qualify um, throughout the world. Um, speed climbing, obviously one. Um, three by three basketball. So there's a whole heap of new stuff that's um, coming into the Olympics. So we look at helping the coaches develop, um, helping the coaches with their campaigns, and making sure that, um, you know, we can affect performance, you know, from the coaching angle um, and perspective. Hey Dale, what 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 is your honest opinion on you know? Obviously, you're talking about the Olympics. Like, does high performance New Zealand um, put too much emphasis on Olympic sports as opposed to professional sports in this country? Because most of our athletes that are Olympians aren't aren't professional athletes. No, that's right, and it is really difficult for you know a lot of sports that aren't fully professional. And there's some incredible work going on uh, in the community. And, and, you know, we often say it, the game, a lot of sports are built on volunteers. And, you know, I think of um, all those athletes who are really um, training their hearts out, trying to get to the Olympics, 
uh, and doing that, you know, pretty much either self-funded or funding themselves around the world for, for different events. Um, so, you know, part of our role is to support and invest in, in those people and, and in those sports and, and give them everything we can to achieve. With our big professional sports, you know, cricket, netball, rugby, um, you know, largely self-sufficient on a lot of the stuff, just purely the way they're set up and, and the TV money and revenue and investment into the sports. But it still doesn't mean that we don't um, support and help them. I think, you know, our role is to try and lift every sport uh, in the way we can. And, you know, for our little team, it's around um, coaching. Is one of those sports AFL, Gibbo? <laughs> It is a um, it is in there AFL. Um, <laughs> two my my kids still play AFL, so they're um, yeah. No, they're, I read the yeah, article. Yeah, yeah. No, no. So um, unfortunately, seven years in Australia has uh, led them to uh, really love, love AFL. But um, it was great to get along and support them. Beautiful, absolutely love it. Hey, before we let you go, you got no allegiance to anyone, and we've had one of our listeners have a dream. He dream he dreamt up a midfield combination of Moonga, Barrett, Leonard Brown. You going to name your All Blacks uh, midfield option before yeah. you head off? Go on then. Brown. Oh, I'm a big <laughs> fan of um, I'm a big fan of Geordie Barrett at the moment. I think he's uh, he's doing some good stuff. Um, and then obviously uh, Rico, for me, I think he's grown enormously in 13 jersey. I think he, you know, I've been quite critical of his defensive reads in the past, you know, but I, I think he's really improved in that area and his defence is becoming, um, you know, Conrad Smith-like, very consistent, um, making the right calls at the right time. So for me, uh, I'm going to stick with, you know, the incumbents and... Uh, It'll be creating plenty of competition for all those other men trying to trying to knock them off. Well, who backs them up? <laughs> good, good question. I like uh, I've always liked Anton, so um, yep. yeah, I think it'd be there and thereabouts as well. Beautiful, Gabo. Appreciate your call, mate, and uh, well done on on all the work that you're doing for. High Performance Sport New Zealand, uh, taking over the coaching, and uh, appreciate your call. And those, mate, the kids, triplets, how old are they now? They're 15, nearly 16. Holy! Um, oh. Yeah, no, they've moved on. But, uh, oh, mate. They love them being in New Zealand, and they've been <laughs> reassimilated into our country. <laughs> I couldn't believe it when you had triplets. Having one's hard enough. Having three of them at once. Wowee. I'll take my hat off to you, Gibbo. Congratulations and cheers. Thanks so much for joining us, mate. Appreciate it. No worries. No worries. Here he is, Daryl Gibson, talking. Oh, doing some great work there, Kempe. Yeah, like High Performance New Zealand coming back doing that coach's role. So he's coaching the coaches throughout the country. Um, I, I, I do think that it's heavily influenced with uh, Olympic sports in this country, high performance. It should be called Olympic Sports New Zealand. It shouldn't be called High Performance Sports New Zealand because it is heavily influencing um, if you are a Olympic sport. So, uh, but to get that role and get around and and you know, obviously impart his knowledge, you know, very. I, I found him just with the way that he spoke, very articulate and calm, which is one of the things you need to be as a coach is you have to be calm. 
You know? Oh, he wasn't calm all the time. <laughs> he ripped it. I'll tell you Come that. On. When he got angry, he got bloodshot eyes and everything. I was like, oh, Gibbo, he's starting to fire up here. <laughs> Oof. Yeah, so he can get angry. Don't worry about it. When he had Mind triplets, you would have made a few coaches angry. angry, eh? Oh, plenty. Plenty. They they couldn't understand. What's Dag doing out there? Yeah, look, I, I frustrated plenty, but I came through sometimes and, and impressed them. But, uh, yeah, most, most of the time, uh, frustrated the hell out of them. But that's okay. That's okay. Oh, it's interesting to see, actually, you know, we were talking about sports that are uh, going to be at the Paris Olympics. Uh, one of them is breakdancing. I don't know how that's actually a sport, but apparently that's uh, that, that's there. So what chance do you do reckon? You to, do you want to get coaching on it? Yeah, I was going to say, what, 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 I don't know. <laughs> I, down, I, I thought Kimby was having a seizure for a minute there. Uh, but <laughs> but um, yeah, what, what chance he gets uh, he throws some funding raises way? Do you reckon Razor, the, you know, once he's finished with the Crusaders, he's got a bit of time before he takes up the AB's job? Well, he might have a crack in well, Paris. If he 2023. Sees that, so he might he might be hiring me as assistant breakdance coach for the Crusaders. I'll tell you one thing, boys. I used to do a good head spin at a party. Oh, I used to do a good head spin at a party. Had to wear a hat though. That's probably why I started going bald because I started the year up. But that's okay. Uh, great to talk to Gibbo. We're going to get off because we've got Tony Kemp's off the back fence. And just quickly before we shoot off, Chris, is what is he? What's the minimum super contract worth? I think it's around ninety. I think it's around 90 there, Chris. No, 90 million. Um, 90, <laughs> no. Not, not your bank account there, Kempe. Anyway, we'll shoot off and come back with Off the Back Fence. You're listening to Izzy Kempe for breakfast. Thanks to Chemist Warehouse, the real house of fragrance.